Hi, and welcome to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. There she is on the right-hand side of me, and we are back again for another episode of The Abnormal Christian, and we want to thank you first and foremost for listening to the podcast, continuing to listen to the podcast, um, and spreading the word about the podcast. Um, So uh, this month, um, we're actually, the podcast is doing really well. We praise the Lord for that, nothing that we've done. We've actually done really very little to um, to promote or to, uh, I guess, promote's the main word, yeah. to uh, promote the podcast and to get it out there so other people can hear it, um, because we don't really know all the places to promote for a podcast, um, but God continues to um, add new listeners every month. Um, last week, uh, not last week, last month we saw a decline because of the whole coronavirus outbreak. Um, but the Lord has brought back more people listening this month. So um, I like to say first and foremost to the people in Connecticut, hello, uh, the people listening in Connecticut, you guys are really... Yeah, I mean, in Virginia, run yeah, for their money. Really, I think Maryland's, isn't Maryland on there? Was it Virginia and Maryland, Connecticut? Mm, some, Massachusetts. That's in Massachusetts, yeah. There's there's a big group listening there in Massachusetts as well. So thank you to everyone who is, uh, who's listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you like the things we talk about or discuss, please share them with your friends and family. If you think we're kind of weird, maybe some of the things we talk about are really strange and you never heard them before. Um, again, fact check it. Fact check it against the scriptures. That's always going to be the first thing I say. Um, but uh, really, you know, we're really more about wanting to make sure that we examine our thought process and what we do and what seems um, biblically accurate. Things like this. So we're really detailed on that. So this week we're looking at. Hebrews chapter 13, I wanted to kind of bring that up a little bit and and talk about some of the subject content that's in Hebrews chapter 13. If you have your Bible with you, get it out and kind of maybe go along with us here. Um, We're going to hit a few points. We'll probably read the whole chapter because we got time. Why not? Um, And we'll hit a few major points. There's two things. There's one major point I want to point out here in the scripture that really has to do with um, the current situation in the climate, the world we live in right now. Um, In the United States of America, due to the um, epidemic that is going on, uh, the ongoing epidemic, um, there are a lot of uh, restrictions that are being put in place there. And it's all around the world. Everybody's being put on some kind of restriction, uh, whether you can go to work or not, or whether you can travel or, um, you know, even go see the ocean. Uh, one of the restrictions I saw this past week was uh, one of the towns in uh, North Carolina where we lived had closed access to the Atlantic Ocean. They've actually shut off access for people to get into the ocean. Um, which seems very bizarre because I don't know how you, it just seems bizarre to me. It's like you're trying to close nature. Yeah. And it's hard to do. We, we took a trip this past weekend, Natasha and I, and we went to, uh, the town of Asheville and, um, we went to get on the Blue Ridge Parkway at one point. It's a long road along the, the Blue Ridge. It's just very scenic and you normally can drive on yeah. it. And certain parts of it were closed. They did, I guess they didn't want people, um, pulling off on the side of the road and looking at nature. So it's really it's really put us all in kind of a, a tight, enclosed... I think everybody's nerves are slightly about... Right on the edge of being fractured, you know. Indeed. I, I, yes. And, and the, the longer we're um, in our homes or the longer we're confined to these spaces, I think people are becoming a little less uh, sensitive to everyone around them. <laughs> because you just... It, it's that thing of the little raindrop that keeps dropping on your head till it drives you crazy. Well, it's like the walls are closing in. So I wanted to come at this. Yeah, it is. And so I wanted to come at this from Hebrews chapter 13 when it comes to us dealing with um, authority figures and authorities, the the people above us. So one of the things people always say out of the Bible is is that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to obey them that have the rule over you. So look at verse 17, if Natasha, if you could read verse 17 for me real quick there. 
Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So a lot of times I think we, a lot of us hear that verse, we hear that verse about um, obeying them that have the rule over you, right? And so, and a lot of times that's where it ends. So when it comes to, um, you know, the government or it comes to um, other people, your boss, um, telling you what to do. This is the verse a lot of people point to. Well, now you're not supposed to argue. You should obey them that have the rule over you. The Bible says so, right? It's telling you to obey them that have the rule over you. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of this chapter because so much um, so much of the Bible and so much of Scripture uh, really happens in that when people pick out one verse, they miss the context completely of what the verse is trying to tell them. And so in this instance, we hear this a lot. I think I might have even repeated this once or twice myself in my life. But we miss the context of who the scripture is talking about. So what we're going to do is go all the way back to verse 1 and we'll read down to verse 17. Uh, we'll stop along the way to point out a couple um, important things that we can touch on. And, uh, and we'll go from there. Starting in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So here we have in verse 2, we have uh, a reminder to entertain strangers. One of the things you learn about Abraham, because the Bible talks about having the... we're supposed to have the attributes of Abraham, which are this openness. Abraham would open his tents to anyone. He would entertain strangers and angels at times. Abraham, this is what this is referring to, Abraham entertained angels. Um, and so it's reminding us that we should be loving and, and caring for strangers because we don't know if we're at any time in our life going to run across. Um, uh, we might be entertaining an angel. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Verse 3 here is showing us something um, really interesting. It's saying, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. Um, so when we think of others who are who are held in captivity or in bonds for the cause of Christ, we should try to remember them because they are part of the same body. We are in the same body. Yes, amen. We're in the same body as Christ as they are, and so we should try to remember them. Uh, one of the things I read today was uh, the number one. What do you think the number one most persecuted country in the world is right now? Israel? No. Mm. That was that was an interesting guess, but no. <laughs> America? It's going to start with the North. North Korea. There it is, and it ends with a Korea. So, yes, North Korea is the number one. I'll make a—this is really off point, but—and maybe it's not. But I'll make a point real quick about that. North Korea is the number one most persecuted country in the world for Christians. You are not allowed to have a Bible. If you're caught with Scripture, if you're caught gathering as Christians, you're put into a labor camp. And they work you there or they beat you until they get tired of it. And then they finally maybe let you go if they don't kill you. Um North Korea is, is, is interestingly enough, this is something I want to point out. This is what it was. Um, North Korea is a, a dictatorship, but is also an atheistic country, which means atheism is their core belief value. Um, China is also uh, atheistic. The core belief in China is atheism. When the communists came into China, the first thing they did was suppress every kind of religion in the country. And it didn't matter if it was Christians or Buddhists or whatever it was. Uh, they, they really shut it down. And one of the um, one of the offshoots of socialism, which we see in America today, is that when you have socialism and atheism together, they cannot tolerate or stand anything that disagrees with them. 
So this is why North Korea is the most persecuted country in the world, is is closed off from the outside. Um, getting Bibles there is, is, I'm not going to say impossible, but next to impossible. Um, I read today that there are families and people who have small portions of Scripture. We take for granted so much the Bible that we have. You know, it sits on the counter, it, it collects dust, we barely read it, but they have pages. There are literally people there who, who just have three pages of the Bible, and they will read it over and over and over. And, you know, when you think about the gospel and you think about what it means to to follow after Christ and you think about the word of God that we have the complete text that we would ignore it or we don't pay it enough attention. And then there's somebody who's sitting there with three pages and they're just reading over and over and over. And that's all they know. You know, they know Jesus died on the cross for them, but this is all the word they have. And they're clinging to it and they're sharing it with other people. Uh, one of the things they said in North Korea that uh, Christian families oftentimes will not tell their children um, about Jesus or that they're Christians um, until they're in their teen years because they cannot, um, she's trying to kill them off, um, they cannot afford for their children to open their mouths to their friends to say, my mom and dad told me about Jesus. Because if they do, then they all get thrown in prison, their children taken away. So a lot of times those older Christians don't disciple until they can trust that this person is going to be able to hold it in. Um, so it's very, you know, it's very important to remember them. So in this verse chapter, uh, verse three here, he says, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, like you're bound with them. Um, and them which suffer adversity as being yourself also in the body. So when we see other people, other Christians that are suffering in adversity, we're supposed to remember them, help them, assist them any way we can through prayer, whatever it may be, because they're in the body. We're all a body. Those who believe in Jesus, we're a part of the body of Christ. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right, so stop there. That's a really important verse. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. And he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's interesting that it's talking about being content with the things that you have. And then it says that Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Um, and it really, really putting in perspective the... Um, what those monetary things, they don't really mean a lot. You know, Christ is never going to leave us or forsake us. So those things that we have, we should be content with and not always be um, wanting or uh, desiring of the things that the world has to offer. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. So here we're going back a little bit. I want to go back up to verse um, 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So he's telling you to be content in whatever situation you are. He's already talked about the adversities. He's already talked about the afflicted. And he's saying, and really, if you look at what he's saying, he says, uh, we're not going to be afraid of what a man shall do to me. You know, he's talking about those people who are being persecuted because Christ is never going to leave you or forsake you in that situation you're in, that struggle that you're in. Um, do not, you know, in one other scripture, it says, uh, 
we should be concerned about God who can destroy both body and soul. You know, he has that power. Um, and a man can't destroy that. The man can destroy the body, but he can't destroy the soul. Um, then in verse 7, it really, this is where verse 17 talks about. So down in verse 17, it said, obey them that have the rule over you. Well, who is it talking about? Is it talking about a government authority or a boss or something like that? No, it's actually going and pointing back up toward verse 7. So it tells you, um, who has the rule over you? Read that one more time. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So those who have the rule over us are those who are uh, steeped in the faith, uh, uh, in the word of the Lord. And, and he points out a couple things. He says, they've spoken unto you the word of God. So when you look at it, and we want to take verse 17 and apply it to the government, you want to say, uh, we should obey those in the government who have rule over us. Are they speaking the word of God to us? N Not today. <laughs> when was the last time you heard Nancy Pelosi speak the gospel? Not, not I don't think knowledge. I ever have. I've never heard anyone in Congress. I mean, there's a few people in Congress from time to time who will stand up and talk about God and the Lord and things like that. But I've never heard any one of them given a straight out, bold testament of uh, the gospel, the faith in Jesus Christ to the American public. I don't. Our, our, our very own president at times has made comments about God and Jesus, and he's made comments about his Christian faith, but he has not led us. Uh, he has not ruled over us or spoken unto us the word of God. What is the word of God? The Bible. Yes. The Bible is the very word of God. There are people, and we'll clear this one up too. Knock it down. Um, so I saw a comment the other day on Facebook. Somebody had copied off of Twitter, and someone wrote, um, the Bible is not the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. You remember I shared that right, with you? Right, right, right. And it's absolutely preposterous and ridiculous to think that the Word became flesh and dwelt. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among. It's ridiculous to think that the Bible itself is not the Word of God. This is the absolute written Word of God. What, what we hold in our hands, Christ is the same thing. Everything that's in here, He was. Um, so there's, there's a lot of people who say, well, you know, there's a lot of things Jesus didn't teach on. There's a lot of things He didn't talk about. There's a lot of things in our current world that are going on that he never even spoke a word of. Yes, he absolutely did. This book contains everything that he was. This is who he was. If you want to know Jesus and you want to know God the Father, it's right here in this book. Yes, the Holy Spirit dwells in our heart, but who he is, the very context of who he was as a man was everything in this book. The Bible says there was no sin found within him. What is sin? We've covered this. I'm not following the law. Yes, there it is. I knew it, but he was I know. mouthing it to me, and I was like, Yes, what? I was making sure you had it, because I know you know it. So sin in itself, according to the book of Romans, according to Paul, sin is the violation of God's law. He said, had I not known sin, or had I not known the law, I would not have known sin. Law reveals to us it's the breaking of God's law. That's what sin is. Brothers, should we continue in sin so that grace should abound? God forbid. So sin is the violation of God's law. Now, the Bible says that Jesus never sinned. He was a perfect sinless man, which means he never violated the Torah, the law of God. Anything that is written in Genesis, uh, the first five books of the Bible, anything that is written in the first of very Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, anything that is written in there, he did not violate a single law because it was sin and he did not sin. Therefore, if he did not sin and was obedient to the law of God, then that law must be good. You understand that? Everybody get that? 
The law of God must be good. It must be the right thing to do because he did not break the law. Had he broken the law, he would not have been righteous, perfect in order to save us. He wouldn't have been that spotless. There you go. He wouldn't have been the spotless lamb. So when you want to sit and people want to say, well, Jesus never talked about this sin or Jesus never talked about that sin. There were, yes, there were some sins he talked about, sins that he dealt with directly. But at the same time, his very life affirmed the law of God. He could not violate the law of God because he was the law of God. He was the Torah of God made manifest in the flesh. So in verse 7, when it's talking about those people who have authority and rule over us, it's talking about those who are teaching us the way of the Lord, who are speaking to us the word of God. It, it could be your pastor. It could be a preacher. It could be your Sunday school teacher. It could be the elder in your church. It could be your mother and your father. It could be those, it's those senior saints who have learned a lot more about the Lord. There are people out there who know so much about the Lord. You know, I was talking to, uh, texting with somebody the other day about A.W. Tozer. Is he a good, and I said, Tozer had so much more wisdom than I ever do, uh, than I've ever had. And, and that just proved it right there. But he had so much more wisdom about the knowledge of the Lord that I wish I had. The, you know, Watchman Nee, one of the guys that I just absolutely admire, um, he just had this understanding, this peaceful understanding of the Lord that I don't have yet. And, and I want that. But it's it's submitting myself to understanding that when he talks about uh, the things that uh, you know he learned in his life that offended the Lord, for me to take that in and, and ponder that and to think about that and consider that. Um, you know, if anyone teaches us anything that goes outside of the word of God, we should definitely ignore it. We should say, you know, that, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. I'm, that's a tradition of man. I'm not giving into that. That's ridiculous. That's, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but when it comes down to submitting ourselves, it's submitting ourselves to those who are teaching us the word of God. So it goes down to verse 17 and it says, obey them that have the rule over you. These are the people that have been put in charge of us who are teaching us the word of God. And you say, well, how can you say that? Look at the rest of it. And it says, and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give account. Why would they have to give an account for my soul? It's because what they're teaching you and what they're feeding you. If they're not feeding you the word of God, if it's a leader or a pastor or a teacher who is not feeding you the word of God, they're going to give an account of that to God himself because they have twisted and misused the word of God. You know, We've talked so many times about these television preachers and these televangelists and uh, these uh, faith healers and all these people out there who are spewing a bunch of nonsense right now who haven't healed anyone from the coronavirus, who haven't stopped it with blowing of the south wind or whatever you want to call it. Um, you got all these people out there and they're raking in money and they're taking advantage of the poor and the elderly and the people in the church. And uh, and you might be seeing that and you're thinking, this isn't fair. This is, The world's going to say, that's not fair. They're trying to rip somebody off. I can't believe nobody's doing anything. You know, this is what people do. They see the guy and they go, well, he's got a big airplane and I can't believe that's not right. You know, you're absolutely correct. It isn't right. And there is a day when that man and all those people who teach that stuff have to give an account to God because it says right here in this verse 17 that they are going to give an account for they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for it is unprofitable for you. So they're supposed to want to teach you about the word of God. They're supposed to want and desire to lead you in the ways of righteousness. It's not supposed to be grievous to their soul. It's not supposed to be a problem. You know, the podcast for us, the reason we do it is because we enjoy sharing with you the word of the Lord, because for us, it's joy. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to bring the word of God to somebody and say, Hey, you know, I know you might be struggling right now, but God, he sees where you're at and he loves you where you're at. And his desire is to be with you. 
That's a wonderful thing to want to share with people. And it turns into something ugly when I start tagging all these different things to it um, that that come out of my spirit and my soul, the things that I desire. Um, I was watching today, and I'll give them a shout out again, Redeemer Church in Gilbert, Arizona. The pastor was on you uh, Facebook today. He was Facebook living their, their Sunday service, and um, he got to talking about tithing. And which is such a hot topic for churches right now because the churches are closed and people are watching online. And uh, he said, he literally said, do not, I don't want your money. Don't send me anything. Don't give me any tithe. He said, I tell you what, if, if you need help, you email me your help and we'll try to help you best we can. He said, if people in this congregation want to keep giving, then you do that. You have the option to do that. But he was not, he made it clear that he was not asking for anything from anyone because all he wanted to do was share with them the word of God, share with you the word of God, because he has this, this joy to share that with other people. And that's an amazing thing because you don't see that. People don't, you know, I mean, uh, somebody said the other day when the, um, the Trump money or whatever, the stimulus money came through, you know, don't you dare cut off your tithe. You give that Trump money, you give that stimulus money. It's thinking people are unemployed and out of work. Is that really the message we as the body of Christ should be sharing with folks? I'm not saying that we don't give our, we don't tithe and we don't take care of what we owe God, but at the same time, I'm saying we don't need to beat people overhead with stuff like that. We need to share with them the joy of the Lord that, you know what, you might be struggling right now, but maybe someone's not and they can help you or maybe we can help you. You know, maybe this local congregation can be of assistance to you um, as you struggle through these things. Because that's what it told us in the beginning of this chapter in verse three. It said, remember those who were in adversity. We're supposed to remember they're in the body of Christ. So we're going to go go to verse 9 and read down to 17. There's some good stuff in there too. We'll hit real quick. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that it is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and, but to do good and to communicate forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account, that they do it with joy and not with grief that it is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in a few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints 
they of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Amen. So uh, again, if uh, finishing out this chapter 13 there, he talks about Timothy some. Um, if you haven't checked it out, we do a study on the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we're trying to post it every week. We're on chapter 17 this week. Um, but Paul, at this point in chapter 16, runs into the young man, Timothy, that is mentioned here in the scriptures um, and some of the works that him and Timothy go through. Um, but hopefully this uh, this overlook, just kind of an overlook overview of chapter 13, could be a lot more detailed. But really uh, wanting to point out and focus on um, obeying those who have the authority over us. And those people are the ones who give us the Word of God or share the Word of God with us. Um, I'm not saying we should be disrespectful or disobedient to others, um, but in the context of obeying or obedience here, the Scripture is clear that it is those who are teaching us in the right ways, in the righteousness of the Lord, and who are seeking joy in our lives by teaching us uh, God's precepts uh, from His Word. So hopefully we'll catch you again on another episode. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you later. Bye.